Alrighty, let's spend a little bit of time in the Bible and um, hear what God might be wanting to, how He might be wanting to shape our lives through the Bible. So, God, we we thank you that you're already up to things here this morning. You're already inviting people to get to know you, to engage with you, to know your love for their life. And so we ask for your kingdom to come as we open the scriptures this morning and as we open them that our hearts and our lives would be shaped by by them. We thank you for the Bible. Thank you that we don't do life on our own. Thank you that we have a kingdom family called the church. And we just ask that you bless your church this morning, Jesus. Amen. Well, <clears throat> we often use this word in the, uh, in the Christian circles about what it means to be called by God. And um, you, you, you may have heard some great stories of people who um, have, you know, public ministry and uh, opportunity to teach and preach and they have a public image in that regard and so they're seen a lot by many and they'll often tell their stories of how God called them and there's this moment of significance of calling where God made himself known to them and it turned their life around and then they began to live another way. Well, those stories are fantastic and they're great to listen to Unfortunately, one of the things that has happened, though, in the course of time is that that word or or that idea of being called has been attributed to those that have public ministry opportunities. And so I just want to take that idea and just let's just pull it out of the power plug, pull it out of the power plug and actually let's ground it to where it's actually meant to be which is when Jesus engages with people, they're called. They're called. Um, Some of you may have had experiences in your childhood where you sensed maybe God was making himself known to you. May have been as a, you might have been as a, as a young kid, you might have been in a church, you might have had a dream one night, you might have been, uh, someone may have been telling you a story about God, but somewhere, all of a sudden, inquiry started to take place, and you started to come alive to the idea that maybe God's making himself known to me. Um, some of us, I, well, I, I think being called literally is the fruit and the experience of the fact that God has been calling us all of the time for a very long time. For a very long time and all of the time, God is seeking to have relationship with us. So to say I've been called is really what you're saying is, aha, I've had that moment of realisation, God's been after me my whole life. And he's been making himself known to me my whole life. And now I see that. Now I understand that. I remember as a young fellow sitting in a little um, Methodist church in Western Sydney. And it was a little uh, timber box church with, you know, timber pews. And, and the, 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 the preacher, he would, he would wear a, a big 
black preaching uh, they, uh, gown, and he would stand very high. He would stand very, very high. And so you sit there like this, looking up at, oh, my gosh, you know. And he didn't have to say anything, really, and the fear of God was in me. I was like, oh, my God, what is happening? But I remember this as a kid. I have, I have memories of, of even in that, with the innocent view of a child looking at that, somehow I knew that God was tapping on my life and making himself known to me. Um, and um, I have memories of uh, when I was about 14 or 15 and I went on a camp with a whole bunch of young people. There was about 30 of us. It was just up, up at, um, I think it was Whopper Falls up here on the Sunshine Coast. Um, and uh, there was this guest speaker who came along and he spoke to us. And we've, we, to this day, we, none of us could remember exactly anything that he said. But all that we do remember is that by the time he'd finished speaking, we had had this experience where the Holy Spirit fell on all of these young people. And we were crying. And we, to be honest, we really didn't have a clue on what was happening. Other than, again, God was tapping away, calling, 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 calling us. And... Um, some, some of the young folk in that context went on and have really gone on with the Lord and others have fallen far from the Lord. But for me, I do remember that as a significant moment. It was real. It was personal, but I still didn't understand it. It wasn't until I was about 18, um, 17, 18, where this gentleman, he was a missionary and I would be going to church on a Sunday evening Probably every third week I'd go to church on a Sunday night. And this guy, it was obviously his God assignment to um, front me every time I walked in the place. And he fronted me and he said, hey, how's your relationship going with Jesus? And, you know, I'd just like, get me out of here. (laughs) I couldn't get out of there fast enough. But again, it was this God was like, hey, I'm trying to make myself known to you. And it wasn't until I was in my in 19 that, as I came home one night, um, in all sorts of state, that I had an, something take place in my heart, where all of a sudden I realised it was time to acknowledge the fact that the phone was ringing, that God was calling. And he'd been ringing for a long, long time. You know how when the phone rings at home, or it might not ring much these days at home because everyone uses their smartphone. But you know how you, you, your smartphone might be ringing, but you would rather be engaged in something else than pick up the phone, than answer the call. And you actually have to work very hard to ignore the fact that it's ringing. That's what it's like. That's what it's like with God. He's constantly ringing us with the message of his love, his hope and plans for our life, and he keeps ringing us through dreams, through visions, through people, through encounters, through walking through creation. God's ringing and ringing and ringing. And sometimes, we, a lot of the time, we actually have to work very hard to ignore that truth, that God is reaching us. But someday, somewhere, at some point, If you haven't picked up the phone, can I say today's a really good day to do that? Just answer the call. Answer the call. Because a lot of the time we think what's coming on that, going to come on that call, 
is actually not what is really going to come from God. Where he wants to bring to us his life, his kingdom, his freedom, his forgiveness, his deliverance, his hope for our lives. That we might know joy and peace and all of these things. But God is calling. So what does it mean to be called? Well, if you've worked with children, in, you know, in children's ministry, and let me just say, you know, we've got somewhere nearly, this year we've got nearly 100 people under the age of 16 years of age that are associated with this church on a weekly and fortnightly basis. Did you know that? Between 0 and 16 years of age, we have got nearly 100 young people as a part of this church, and they need discipling. Jesus has sent them here because he thinks we have the goods that they need. Jesus needs us. We've got a whole generation. We've got multiple generations in this place to grow up in the Lord and empower them in the ways of the kingdom of God, to know how to heal the sick, to know how to pray for the demonized, to know how to hear the Holy Spirit, to know how to feed the poor, to know how to be generous with their resources for a greater good. We've got 100 kids under 16 years of age that we need to follow Jesus to, uh, to, to disciple. But what does it mean to be called? Well, if you've ever worked with... Um, uh, children, you, you know, uh, particularly in like a, a, a church experience, and you'll ask, you know, you'll teach a great lesson, and then you'll ask the question, um, you know, you'll ask any question. It was like, so what was the name of the horse in the story? Hands are up, hands are up. Billy, what's the, na- what's the name of the horse? Jesus, Jesus. How much money did the, uh, did the lady lose? Uh, how much money? What's the answer? Jesus. Jesus. Well, I, I think the kids are onto something. I think the children are onto something. In their innocence and in their, uh, you know, we might call it, they're not, you know, they might be naive, naive as we perceive them to be, but they're, in their innocence, they're like, well, there's only one answer. There can only ever be one answer. Jesus. David Watson says like this. He said, the clear resounding answer to every cry is Jesus Christ. Not only has he something relevant to say concerning all our deepest needs, but by living his living presence among us, he has the very power to change the heart of a man or woman. The answer is always and simply and innocently and yet powerfully Jesus. I wonder why, you know, when, when all the disciples were trying to like keep the kids back from Jesus, keep the kids out of the way, we don't want them getting distracted, Jesus getting distracted by the children. He said, hey, whoa, you got to let them come because the kingdom of God belongs to them. We need to listen to the message of the kingdom of God through the innocence of the children. So what does it mean to be called by God? Well, I think simply Jesus is the answer for our deepest need. The need to know and the need to experience that I am loved. Beyond the conditional love of, of this world. The need to know and experience wholeness in my life and healing 
the need to find joy and purpose in this life, the need to have spiritual authority and power in this great spiritual contest in which we're living right now, where there is much, much conflict, both in the natural and in the spirit. The need of a life of, of, of fruit in our life and in our relationships. We want to have like relationships that are full of life and fruitfulness. Jesus has something to say about that and to bring to this. The need for justice and mercy in the earth right now, where there is great injustice in our dealings with the many human tragedies that are taking place and the difficulties that are on our doorstep and even in our very lives and in our streets as we listen to the arguments of the families three doors down from where we live and they get very aggressive and violent towards each other. There is great human need, there is great spiritual contest, there is great spiritual power and Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the one who came and lived and died and was buried and on the third day rose from death in the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus has got something to say about all of these needs. So the children are right. The answer is Jesus. So what does it mean to be called? Let me quickly run through this for you this morning. Well, firstly, it's actually, you're being called by Jesus. It's really important to note that. As this, as this year starts off for you as an individual and for us as a fellowship of believers, first and foremostly, we want to recognise that actually we are being called and we're being called not by a great idea or some philosophy or some kind of ideal or, or, or scheme. We're being called by the living Lord Jesus himself the one who is very much alive and revealing himself to people all over the place every day. We're being called by him. And when he calls, (laughs) he says these wonderful kinds of things to us, like in Mark chapter 1, you'll see up there, verse 14 to 18. After John, that's John the Baptist, was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Well, what was the good news he proclaimed? He says, the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God is near, meaning within reach. It's at hand. It's right there. Repent and believe the good news. Repent, meaning you need to change the way you think about God. Doesn't mean stop being naughty boys and girls. It actually means you actually need to have a massive shift of understanding about who God is. And you need to exchange what you think you know about who God is. And Jesus is basically saying, and in the light of who I am, I'm letting you know who God is. His ways, his heart, his plans, his purposes. So change your thinking. It's good news. The time's come to change your mind about God. And Jesus is showing people how to do this. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus says, and I'll make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed Jesus. Now there's heaps of stuff in that, but the point I really want you to grab out of that scripture and that encounter, as it was recorded by Mark, was that that Jesus 
called these guys. Now, in Jesus' day, if you were a teacher or a rabbi or someone that had a school of people that you were trying to influence and educate and, and transform society, you, as the student, would have the choice as to what school you would attend, much like now. You know, um, my daughter Caitlin, she finished university, uh, finished grade 12, and she had the opportunity to pick what university she was going to attend. And it's like that. So all of the students in Jesus' day, would they would look at the teachers and the rabbis and they go, yeah, and you know, and you'd consult with your family, because family was huge in this context, and the family would say, well, you know, we think Rabbi so-and-so would be the best you know, school for you to go to. And so they would choose the rabbi and go to school. Now, here comes Jesus as a new rabbi and teacher. And what does he do? He actually says, no, no, the kingdom works like this. I'm picking you to come and join my school. Not on the basis of any of you academic achievements, what family line you come from, whether you got money, whether you don't, whether you have been involved in prostitution or theft from the tax office. Doesn't matter. Jesus says, I'm calling you. You come to my kingdom and you live it the way that I'll show you how to. So Jesus says, hey, I'm a good master. Follow me. Now, there's something obviously very compelling about the reality of who Jesus is when he rings, when he calls, and he puts his, hey, I'm calling you, because people all over the world, people all through this church, and in my story too, let alone the story of the saints in the scriptures and church history, where Jesus has said that, hey, come follow me, and we have. We've laid down what we thought we knew life would be about, and we've said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. The first thing we've got to know this year, it's we're being called by Jesus himself. No other. But let me, well, I'll just rephrase that. We're being called by Jesus himself amongst the many voices that are calling to us at this time to say, follow me. But Jesus' voice is compelling there may be even some of us in this room today who've, who've worked really hard to ignore that the fact that the phone is ringing <laughs> and Jesus is calling. But today, we're actually finding ourselves in this moment, in this space and realising he's, he's calling me. He's really calling me. And there'll be opportunity for you to pick up the phone before we leave today. Secondly, we're actually being called to Jesus. Being called to Jesus. You know, when Buddha was dying, it's said that Buddha's disciples asked him, how should we remember you? And Buddha said, no, forget me. It's all about the teaching. Remember the teaching. How tragic How very, very tragic. And yet here comes Jesus. (laughs) And he tells a whole other way, a whole other story. Jesus comes along and he says, um, actually, 
It's not about what you think you know. It is all about me. I want you to know me. Many will say to me on that day, Jesus said, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform miracles? Then, I'll let, then I will tell them plainly this. So, Hank, just, let's just, Jesus, there's these people who've been running around doing stuff in principle and in the name of Jesus that actually didn't know Jesus personally. They're doing his business without knowing who, whose business it is or in relationship with him. And he says these words to them. He says, I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. And, and look at the wording that he uses to describe people who've actually been going around doing business on the basis of principle without knowing him. He calls them doers of evil. Whoa, that's a hard saying. That's a really hard saying. But Jesus is driving a point here. Jesus is really hammering a point. And the point is, I want you to know it's all about relationship with me. You see that word new, K-N-E-W, I never knew you. That word in the Greek, gnosko, it's a verb, it's a doing word. It means to learn or to become known. And it's actually a Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse between a man and a woman. And I make that distinction between a man and a woman in today's context and culture. It's not just sexual intercourse, it's between a man and a woman. That has to be said these days now. Maybe once culturally we didn't have to, but now we do. We have to make that distinction. But the point is, it's an incredible act. If you, you know, the, the whole act of sexual intimacy and intercourse between a man and a woman is a place of both vulnerability and trust and transparency and incredible intimacy. Where, where with, with, with both partner, the partner involved with the other in that, in that context is saying, I am making myself fully known to you in this moment. And the, and the partner is reciprocating as well. I'm making myself fully known here. This, this, this word, this, um, in the intensity of that intimacy and transparency and the power that's within that, Jesus is he's saying, I want this kind of relationship with you. It needs to be intimate. It needs to be revealing. It needs to be honest. It needs to be one where we make ourselves known to each other. That's what Jesus is looking for. He's calling us to himself. He's calling us, by, we're being called by Jesus and we're being called to Jesus for a very powerful and intimate relationship. Ultimately, we're called to a very dynamic and all-encompassing relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and King, a relationship out of his love for us, his love for his church, and his love for all people. Let me quickly run through a few more. And as Jesus calls, he makes this, well, for, for two fishermen who are 
doing their father's business, their father's trade, their family of origins business has been generation after generation of fishermen at work. For Jesus to go along to them and say, hey, you follow me, and the scriptures say that they downed tools and left, there's something very powerful about it when Jesus says, hey, follow me. There's this, if I could say it like this, there's this uncompromising demand of love. It's an uncompromising, it's a, it's a love that says, I want all of you and nothing less. I'll take whatever you give me, but you've got to know, I want all of you. I want every aspect of your thinking and dreaming and living. You're going and you're coming. You're, 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 your relationships, your work life, your sense of vocation, your purpose and your joy. I want everything. I want your tears. I want your pain. I want your joy. I want it all. It's this uncompromising love from God that says, I want all of you. I'm not offended by the least bit of you because he's made provision for that through Jesus and cleaned us, made us white as snow as far as the lens he's looking at completely acceptable but there's this uncompromising love you know I remember 19 when when you know I came home that night and then it was like all night I was like I know you're calling me and the next day driving my mates home and dropping them home and talking to them as if they were my spiritual guides I'm like this is going on for me and they're like ah Delaney you're an idiot you know let's just do this again tomorrow night And I'm like, no, no, something's going on here more than anything. And so I did. I responded and I went to church that night and I heard a message and I gave my life to Christ. And in that space, in that moment, there was an uncompromising love that invaded my whole being. It washed away all of my sin. It washed away all of the things I hated about myself and I hated about the people around me. It just completely revolutionized me. It was so demanding of me. I think one of Wesley's old hymns talks about, it demands my my love, my life, my all. It's this compelling love from Jesus. This, This dying and rising love that wants every bit of us. It's this love that, in that uncompromising nature of it, asks for everything of us and nothing less. A number of years ago when I was, um, well, uh, Caitlin was three and Luke was literally a, a brand new newborn. And Nicole's nana had passed away and I was due to do the funeral. I was, the family had all lined me up to do the funeral. Well, the... The, the reality was Nana died when I'm about to take 30 people overseas into a third world access restricted nation with the work of the gospel and smuggling Bibles. And so I'm taking all these people overseas and Nana dies. And so here I am in this moment. What do I do? Do I stay and help the family bury Nana? Do I stand with my wife who's lost her Nana standing with a three-year-old and a newborn in her arms and wasn't sleeping so great. And so we, we were all like, Ugh, which way's up? But the reality was there was this dilemma I found myself in. And the uncompromising love of Jesus 
the, that unconditional demand of Jesus' love to me and said, Kirk, trust your family to me. You follow me. And then I had to explain that to my family. I'm not saying I don't love you, family. I don't, I'm not saying I'm being I'm your second best. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is that Jesus has told me I have to go. And so I found a friend of mine who's in ministry and he was able to help facilitate the funeral for my, for my family and for my nana. Jesus, one day, uh, this, these are kind of what you would call the harder sayings of Jesus. The harder sayings of Jesus, as some commentators would call them. Je- you know, Jesus is calling people, hey, you follow me, you follow me. And then some people say to him, well... First, let me do this. First, let me do that. <laughs> this guy says, let me, and he says to another man in Luke 9, 59, Jesus says, follow me. That should say, but his, well, you can put her in there if we want to. Um, replied, first, let me go and bury my father. Now, that seems like a fair request. I've been there. <laughs> a fair request. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their own. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. How this uncompromising, demanding love of Jesus, when he calls, he calls us to obey him. And you've often seen me use this little illustration here, that word obedience and what's right in the middle of it. You've got to die and what have you got to die? Who's got to die? Well, right there in the middle of die is I. I need to die to follow Jesus so that I can have the fullness of his life in me. This discipleship thing is a little intense, isn't it? <laughs> it's a little like, oh my gosh, he want, he's, he's making that call. He's, he wants all of me and nothing less. Friends, this year... Jesus is calling us to obey him. Obey him. How many of us have had those yes but moments? I have them all the time in my house. Nicole will say, honey, can you help me with this? You know, be it whatever the request is. And I'm like, well, yeah, but because I'm watching something. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it later. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. It's not that I don't get around to it, but it's like, well, yeah, but. It's that yeah, but thing that says in our response and in my response to Nick when she asks me to help her, it's like, hey, yeah, I hear you, but you're not important enough for me to prioritise. I hear you, but you're not important enough for me to prioritise. That's the bit. That's the thing that needs to be like, yielded to the lordship of jesus now i've made a quiet little decision in my conversation with jesus in my heart and in my life that when and i've tried i've tried now my family can keep me to account on this and they can tell the story as it really is but i've been trying to actually move beyond the yes but kind of life in my own family situation and whether it's my children or my wife saying hey, could you help me with this? I'm trying to learn that my first response is yes, 
and move straight to it. Not easy, but this is what Jesus is inviting us to. A life where that compelling love of Jesus is so great and so wonderful that our first response to him is, how could I say no to you? You've been so kind to me, so gracious to me. Finally, this year, Jesus is calling us to serve him. Serve him. James, the brother of Jesus, he wrote a book in the Bible. It's near the back end of it. And I love how he describes himself in the opening verse. Now this guy, you know how sometimes people, you know, they name drop people to make themselves feel more important? Have you been around that? Like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm someone because I know someone. That sort of thing. Well, James, he's the brother of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, they skulked around in the house together. They probably played a bit of soccer or, you know, whatever it is. They play together. They probably had a few wrestles. I mean, he's the brother of the son of the living God. He's the brother of the guy who was actually immaculately conceived in his mother. It's his, it's his brother. Now, how does this guy refer to himself? James 1, one he writes, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no tickets on him. He's got no tickets other than, hey, I, I, I'm a servant. I'm a, I'm a servant of Jesus. I'm a, I'm a servant of Jesus. John Wimber put it like this. He says, I like this saying. This is a good one. He says, I'm just change in God's pocket and he can spend me however he chooses. That's, that's kind of like a, another take on what James was saying. There's no title, no ranking, no boasting, no proclamation of prominence or, hey, we're the best, I'm the greatest and you've got to look at me. None of that. I'm just a servant of God. John 13 is a great illustration of that servant life where Jesus, just before he's about to be arrested and go to the cross, is with his disciples one night and they eat together. And as the evening meal is taking place, John writes, this happens. The time had come for Jesus to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So he even became even more revealed, more humbled, more transparent. But you see, no one had washed their feet. And culturally, that's an offensive thing when you lie down to eat dinner together because we lie on your side. So dinner's on the mat on the ground and so you lie on, a, on an arm. And so your feet would sort of be 
near the back of someone else's head. And so if you've had a bad day in the sandals, you know, that's not the garlic we're smelling right now, friends. That's your feet. They stink. So the role of the servant, wherever you would eat, would be the very first thing they would do is that when you entered the home for the meal is that the feet would be washed. But no one washed their feet. No one had taken on the role of servant at that meal. No one had done that. And then I love the way that John describes this action of Jesus. In that first paragraph there, at the end of it, it says, then he showed them the full extent of his love for them. Wasn't the cross the full extent of his love? Well, John says this was the full extent of the love of Jesus. To take the lowest place, to take the servant place, for this greater good of everyone to be able to enjoy the moment and enjoy the meal together. Jesus said, let me, and and it says he had to disrobe. What teacher, what elevated authority figure disrobes? They don't, but Jesus does. He's demonstrating another type of authority and power that wins the hearts of people. John, uh, David Watson said it like this, just to finish with. Ultimately, God is concerned not with academic or theological knowledge, but with life, his life within us. He wants us not to know about Jesus, but to be like Jesus, filled with the spirit of Jesus, bearing the fragrance of Jesus, controlled by the love of Jesus. Such a quality of life is caught rather than taught. Now that's a truism right there. You become who you hang around. That's a truism and it works in both directions either for life or for death. You become who you hang around because you catch stuff from each other. (laughs) Such a quality of life is caught rather than taught. And however important it may be to devote ourselves to the apostles' teachings like they did in Acts chapter 2, as the first Christians did, it's even more important that the life of Jesus be manifest among us. That's a really great statement from Watson. Friends, this year is going to be an amazing year of following Jesus as his disciples. And this morning, Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. And you know what? This week, I was out running this week. And I was so focused on trying to listen to my heart and get the rhythm of it right so I could go the distance that I wanted to run. You know, I had to work hard to hang on, just get beating right and get into a rhythm and all of that. And you know what? Gosh darn it, Jesus interrupted me. And he started talking to me. Because I was about to go into a meeting that evening and I, and I felt like I didn't have the goods for the meeting. And as I, as I was running along... Jesus interrupted. He called. (laughs) And he gave me some stuff that I shared at this meeting, which was wonderful for him, glorifying to him. Point is, Jesus never stops ringing. He never stops ringing. 
the phone is always ringing, whether you've picked up once or I'm in the habit now of trying to pick up every time it rings, (laughs) every time he calls. We want to live the called life this year. We want to live the called life of the kingdom of God this year. I'm going to pray in a moment and I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, would come upon each and every person in this room and we would hear the phone ring. And I'm going to also pray that we could have the courage and the humility to actually go, you know what? I'm really glad you're ringing. I really need you. And I'm going to pick up. So let's just close our eyes and pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning and the chance to get together and that you've provided a place for us to meet together. All because of Jesus. And we just say thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your spirit is even now just moving in our hearts, in our minds, in our, in our bodies. Your Holy Spirit is moving and touching and speaking and drawing and wooing people to Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you, would you call people to Jesus right now? We just put that call out. Maybe for some of us, it's that realisation that you've been calling me my whole life. And now I see you. Now I hear you. And I say yes to you, Jesus. Just in the stillness of this moment, Jesus, I, I want to say yes to you. I want to say yes to the love that you have for my life. I want to say yes to the forgiveness that you have won to set me free from all forms of condemnation and self-hatred and words of... Words of abuse even that have been spoken over my life. I just thank you, Jesus, that you take my life right now as it is and in exchange you just beautifully and graciously offer me your life in exchange. Jesus, I receive you into my life even as I give you my life today. Come and be king of my life. Let me enter this kingdom that you that you do, you live, you rule and reign over. I want to live in your good kingdom. And if this is taking place for you this morning, I just 
and this is a real conversation that you're having in this moment, I just want to speak a few words over you. As an ambassador of Jesus in the earth, as a friend of Jesus, I just speak over you. Your sin is forgiven and you have been set free. God loves you. God loves you. And in the spaces of hopelessness and desperation that have robbed you and held you captive, I speak now the freedom that comes with the authority of the rule and reign of Jesus as King. I speak freedom to you now. You are free. Be free now. Be free now. Be free. God, I thank you that you have a loving agenda for each and every person in this room to know life in all its fullness. And I pray that this year there'd be this just this childlike way about us that has the simplicity of the answer, the answer through this this situation, this crisis, this need, this devastating thing that's going on for my friend, this, whatever it is that the simplicity and the innocence that the children saw, let us be like that and say the answer, it's you, Jesus. We want to be Jesus people. The answer is you, Jesus. So I speak that to every, every concern, every weighty opposition, every demonic attack, every every scheme and plan, every spiritual contest that's going on over your life right now, I just in the name of God say, Jesus is Lord. And I say to those contests and things, just yield now. Yield. Be quiet and move away and let the love of God come and invade people's lives and circumstances. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Friends, I want to say, for some of you, if you've prayed that way in the, for the very first time in your life, please take opportunity to talk to someone that you came with or that you know here. Or if you haven't got someone to talk with, come and talk with me or Nick or just Scott or one of the, one of the other team members here. We'd love to spend time just talking through that, what's happened with you in that moment. But simply to say, know this, you, there's a, there's a, there's a, if you've, if you've engaged in this conversation with Jesus, let me make this very, very clear. You have now, the Bible would tell us, crossed over from the rule and reign of death that you've been under, and you've now crossed over into the kingdom of the Son of God, the light of God. And that's where you now live. You live under His good rule and reign. You have a new master you have a new teacher, you have a new friend and king, and he is going to lead you on into life in all its fullness this year. Don't listen to that old king anymore. He's in the grub, he's in the dirt, and he's got nothing good to say. I just want to reassure you, you've come into the kingdom of God. Be blessed and be free in that. 